So let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that you will uh, give me the strength and energy I need to preach this word that you have given me. And I pray that you would give them hearing ears, ears to hear, and, and hearts to obey what you have called upon this church to be and to do. So let this word spark us. Let this word challenge us. Let this word change us. And we'll thank you for what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all the house says amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So the title of this first message is God washed my feet. And he did. And he does. And he said, what has that got to do with revival? Well, let me explain it. Give me 30 minutes and I'll lay it out. How many know that before COVID, we knew changes were coming? We, I mean, we just knew it. January 1st, we said, look, you know, darkness is coming. Get ready. Start, you know, pivot. We didn't know what it was, but we knew something was coming. It was funny because 2020 was supposed to be the year of vision. 2020, nobody saw that coming. <laughs> nobody saw that coming. But we preached messages like canoeing in the mountains, right? We, we preached about what got us here and everything we learned about getting here. It's not going to get us there. And we had to change. We had to change methods. We don't change the message, but we change the methods. And one of the things that really the Lord really laid on my heart was the Last Supper. And I couldn't get away from it. And I preached around it some. And I, I kept referring to it. And the Lord just kept telling me that that moment when Jesus washed their feet, that was a pivotal moment. It was a tipping point. Y'all know what a tipping point is? That, that point where something's got to go one way or the other. And that was a tipping point. That was the last supper. And Jesus says, I, I couldn't wait. My heart was breaking. I, I just really wanted to get with you and have this meal with you. And he did, and it was the Passover. It was traditional. And, 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 and he did exactly what Jews had been doing for thousands of years. Nothing new. And then he said something. He said, I have a new commandment. Wow, I thought 10 were enough. I have a new commandment. And he did something that was not part of Passover. He took his robes off and put on a towel, and he washed their dirty feet. That was not his job. That was unheard of in Jewish culture. So let's, let's get the story here. And, and, and it happened in an upper room. How many know a lot of things happened in the upper room? I preached a whole series on upper rooms. There's about seven of them in Scripture. So let's, let's read the story, and, and let me go through these verses. And, and by the way, something else the Lord has laid on me for, for the new year, for the new Jewish year, is that we need to do more of hearing the Word. In the early church, they would read the Word, and there was power in it. Come on. How many times I, I've sometimes I just read the scripture and I feel like just sitting down because the word is enough. Wow. So read the story with me in John chapter 13 and just, just listen, okay? Let the word uh, uh, wash over you. John 13 and verse 1. Okay, great. Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them and how he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Wow. Okay. 
before their evening meal had begun, the accuser. How many know every time we try to do something, the accuser shows up? Planted betrayal in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control, for he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe, took a towel, wrapped it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. But when Jesus got to Simon Peter, he objected and said, I can't let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. I should be washing yours. Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning. See, there's meaning in this. There's purpose in this of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. Peter looked at Jesus and said, you'll never wash my dirty feet. Never. But Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, Jesus responded, then you will not be able to share life with me. So Peter said, Lord, in that case, don't wash my feet, wash my hands, my head. So after washing, he put his robe on, returned to his place at the table. Listen, do you understand what I just did? And that's really the purpose of this message. And this is, the, this is what's going to set up our revival. Jesus said, you've called me your teacher and Lord, and you're right. He said, I'm not doing this because I'm not your teacher and Lord. Next verse. So, I'm, so if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, which is really weird, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now, do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master. And an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. Well, he's turning leadership 101 upside down. So now put into practice what I've done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. But after Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come. You know, sometimes someone's got to leave the room for God to do what he's got to do. Judas left the room. The time has come for the glory. Say, the time has come for the glory uh, to surround the Son of Man, and God will be greatly glorified through what happens to me. And very soon, God will unveil the glory of the Son of Man. Uh, my dear friends, I only have a brief time left to be with you, and then you will search and long for me. But I tell you what I told the Jewish leaders. You'll not be able to come where I am. So I give you a commandment. Here it is. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. There's the new commandment. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, Everyone will know, everyone will know, if the world will know. They're not going to know Jesus because we're right about everything. They're going to know Jesus because of our love. All the world sees is us fighting and bickering. No wonder they don't want to get saved. Sometimes I don't want to join the church. Hang on to that scripture there. So, so th th this is the story, and he talks about a new commandment. He said, why is it new? We already have the Ten Commandments. And then remember that guy came along and asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus would not, when Jesus answered him, he didn't say there was one. He said there's two. You can't have the greatest. you got to have the two greatest. 
Oh, come on, church. Come on, I've been in the air 16 hours. If I can preach with energy, you can listen with an amen. Watch this now. And I'm an old man. Oh, glory to God. Now, where was I? See, I am an old man. What are the two commands? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So what's the difference here? No, no, he's going beyond love your neighbor as yourself because some of y'all don't even love yourself. And that's why you treat each other, you treat people badly. You don't even care for yourself. Oh, never mind. That's another message another day. All right, so he, he's going beyond that. He said, here's how I want you to, he said, here's the new commandment. I want you to love people like I've loved you. That's the reason he washed their feet. He said, do you understand what I'm doing? I want you to wash other people's feet. And this is so radical because in these times, none of those 12 would have washed feet. You know who would have washed feet? A young slave girl. It wouldn't have even been a man. It would have been a slave, not even an adult woman. It would have been a slave girl. The lowest person that was able to do it in the house would be washing their feet. And here we have the highest person in the house washing everybody's feet. Church, it's time to understand you're not too big to wash somebody's feet. Nowadays, we don't even have dirty feet. We smelly maybe, but not necessarily dirty. Back then, feet were nasty. And that's where that custom came from. They'd walk around with sandals or barefoot in the nastiest situations. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Jesus said, he says, I'm, I am your Lord. I'm your teacher. He's not saying don't be a leader. He's saying be a leader by washing he said the most effective leaders are those, it's not just about doing a nasty job. It's about being willing to go as low as you need to go to help and love on somebody that needs the love of God. You know, one of the hardest messages to preach is on love, but you're going to help me this morning, right? You know why it's so hard to preach on love? Because we all do it. Yeah, we see your love. Well, I, I love them. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like them. I don't. I never understood that. Love has to be something you demonstrate. So, what does this have to do with revival? Notice Jesus didn't talk about glory until Judas left the room. Why? Because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Right? What does that mean? It means that the devil is the one who wants to divide us. The devil is the one that wants us to, to, to drive wedges between us. The devil is the one who whispers in your ear and says, you know no one loves you out there. It's the devil that wants to separate us. It's the devil. Amen. I know you think that discerning other people's sins, are that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. No. It doesn't take a lot of talent to discern other people's issues. Probably takes more talent to discern your own issues. That's the devil's job, to find issues with people and share it with you. You know, Jesus said it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. People who gossip, it says more about them than about the person they're talking about. And just because you sit there and don't answer doesn't mean you're not part of it. 
It's time we start standing up and say, look, my ear's not a trash bucket, and I don't want to hear it. I don't need to hear it. So-and-so, yeah, but so-and-so's got, listen, God's big enough to take care of so-and-so. It's not our job to spread rumors. It's not our job to tear down. It's not our job to divide. It's not our job to find problems and faults. God's big enough. His church has survived for 2,000 years with imperfect people. It'll survive another 2,000 if Jesus tarries. It's time to just wash one another's feet. Is anybody beginning to understand that revival is only going to come if we can love each other, which promotes unity? And God only anoints things that are united. He only anoints people that love one another. So he had to wait for the accuser to leave. John chapter 13. Again, let's... Let, 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 let's John 13, 34, 35, did I already? I mean, that was right at the end there. You know what I said about a new commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. Listen, you can't sustain revival without loving relationships. I'll wait for an amen. Galatians 5, 6. All these are in the Passion Translation just to give it a flavor. He said, when you're placed into the anointed one... (laughs) and join to him, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you, what? Nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that is and brought to by, King James says, faith worketh by love. You know why we can't have revival? We don't really love everybody. It's not about a lack of faith, usually. Why don't churches have revival? They're too busy fighting each other. And I'm not preaching this because we have a problem. Not, you know, this church has the most amazing unity. I was telling someone the other day, I've been your pastor almost 40 years. We have never had an elders meeting with raised voices in 40 years. Never had a church split. There is you. Now, 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 I'm not saying we're a perfect church. You know, there's always one. How many know there's always one? But just don't be that one. Just don't be that one. But, but I'm not saying we're perfect, but there has been an amazing unity and presence here throughout the years that I'm so thankful for. That God, we sang that song. I love that song. They're going to sing it at my funeral because God's been so good. Every time I hear it, it kind of brings a tear to my eye because it's so true in my life. You've been so good. Some of you hadn't been saved very long. By that, I mean 20 years. <laughs> Until you've been saved like almost 50 years, you don't know what I'm talking about. He's been good all through the years. That's why I want to sing it at my funeral. I'm on my last testimony is he's never left me or forsook me. My last testimony is he's been good to me all my days. Hallelujah. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. Ephesians 6.23 says the same thing. May God shower his peace upon you, my beloved friends, and may the blessings of faith and Fill your hearts from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Faith and love. Ah, we say, God, I want signs and wonders and miracles. You can't have it without love. 
And you can say you love, but you have to prove your love. Some of you just did it by writing a check. Hello? Ushers are coming back for the rest of you to prove your love. <laughs> look, look at John 17. What, what a wonderful series. Re- really, really from John, this is Jesus talking, really from John 13 all the way through 17. They should just take the chapter divisions out because it's just all one thing. But, and you ought to read it that way. But listen, in fact, go home. That's your homework assignment. Go home and read John 13 through 17. Okay? Because it, it, most, of the, most of those chapters are red letters. It's Jesus talking. Jesus said, I, uh, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for everyone at Journey Life Center who will believe in me through the message. I'm sorry, I just changed the word a little bit there. I pray for them all to be joined together as, even as you and I, Father, are joined together. Wow, that's huge. I pray for them to become one with us. Why? Why? So that the world will recognize that you sent me. Our doctrine is not going to save them. Beating them over the head, being angry at them is not going to save them. It's the goodness of God. That leads to repentance. Some of us don't believe that. Maybe you didn't get saved that way. Maybe you got saved because someone scared the devil out of you, literally. And thank God you got saved that way. That's fine. But even if you got saved that way, how many of you eventually found out that God is good? How many of you eventually found out that I, I, I'm living the way, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know what got you saved, but I'm telling you what's going to keep you saved. It's the goodness of God. It's his mercy. It's his benevolence. It's his love. It's his grace. It's all, my God, it's, it's, it's all the things that God does. He is an amazing God. It's the love of God. And they don't see the love of God unless they see it through our hands washing their feet. Can I get an amen? So love them as I have loved you. It's a new commandment. It's it's like they discovered something, something new that they need to live by. Okay, are you getting me? You you know, twice twice in the scriptures, they discovered, listen, they discovered the word twice in the Old Testament. And both times when they discovered the word, revival broke out. Let me say that again. When they discovered the word, revival broke out. Jesus said, I have a new word for you. I have a new commandment. And if you get it, revival will break out. I know you're not excited about that. I am. Amen. Second Kings 22, verse 8. Just, just give me a couple of verses here. Second Kings. 22, we got like the third string up there. There we go. She's all right. The high priest, Hilkiah, reported to Shaphan, the royal secretary, I just found the book of God's revelation. Woo! I've been digging around the old library, and I found the word. Most historians think it was the book of Deuteronomy. I'm actually studying that book right now. I know, oh, man, studying Deuteronomy, how boring can that be? No, it's pretty cool. 
I might preach a series on Deuteronomy. You've never heard that before. He said, I found this book instructing us in God's ways. I found it in the temple. Duh. I found it in the church. I found it in the pulpit. He gave it to Shaphan, and Shaphan read it. It's not enough that you read it. Someone else needs to read it. Then Shaphan, the royal secretary, went to the king. Hilkiah, the priest, gave me a book. Shaphan proceeded to read it to the king. When the king heard that what was written in the book, God's revelation, he ripped his robes in disarray. And then he called for Hilkiah, the priest, Ahiakim, son of Shaphan, Ekbor, son of all those people. And he ordered them all something. <laughs> I must have stopped that verse at the wrong place. He ordered them, let's conform to the word of God. And revival broke out. Can I get an amen? How about Nehemiah? Uh, by the way, that king, that was Josiah, the jo Josiah revival. Josiah was eight years old when he started being king. But revival broke out. Come on, young people. Revival broke out with an eight-year-old king. <sighs> Sometimes that's what it takes. I got a whole message on that, but I, I ain't got time. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. Here's the second time. By the, by the time the seventh month, by the way, we're, we're there. Uh, in, in Israel has two different ways of doing calendars. The, the people of Israel settled in their towns. Then all the people gathered as one person in the town square in front of the water gate and asked the scholar Ezra to bring the book of the Revelation. There it is again. That was the book of Deuteronomy. They found it. They found it as they're rebuilding the walls. This is after the, after the Babylonian captivity. Uh, Moses that, had, that God had commanded for Israel. So they found this book. So Ezra the priest brought the revelation to the congregation, which was made up of both men and women, everyone capable of understanding. It was the first day of the seventh month. He read it facing the town square at the water gate from early dawn until noon, six hours. In the hearing, can you imagine, no preaching, he's just reading the word for six hours. Y'all think you got it bad. All who could understand it. And all the people listened. They were all ears to the revelation, to the book of the revelation. The scholar Ezra stood on a wooden platform, first time, first mention of a pulpit, constructed for the occasion. He was flanked on the right by all those guys. Verse 5. It's pointless. To... <laughs> Ezra opened the book. Every eye was on him. He was standing on the raised platform. And as he opened the book, everyone stood. That's where that custom comes from. Then Ezra praised God and the great God, and all the people responded, yes, yes, with hands raised high. And then they fell to their knees in worship of, their, of God, their faces to the ground. You okay with this word? So all those guys... Explain the revelation while people stood listening respectfully. They translated the book of Deuteronomy so the people could understand it and then explain the reading. So they didn't just read it. They explained it. They preached a six-hour message. Whew. Nehemiah, I'd be wore out. Nehemiah, the governor, along with Ezra, the priest and scholar, uh, and the Levites who were teaching the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to God your God. Don't weep and carry on. They said this because all the people were weeping because they heard the words of, of the revelation, the Deuteronomy. Is there another verse?
So he, he, he continued, go home. Listen, he let him finally go home. Prepare a feast, which is what you'll do when I'm done. Holiday food and drink and share it with those who don't have anything. Well, there's a message right there. You see all that? You see the points? This day is holy to God. Don't feel bad. The joy of God is your. Remember that verse? The joy of the Lord is your strength. They were weeping and crying because they had fallen so short of the word. And, he said, and we understand that weeping comes we, when people are repenting and they feel sorry for their sins. But at some point they said, listen, stop crying. Enough of that. We've got the word. The Lord has spoken to us. I know you feel bad for your sins and the way you've treated God, but you've heard the word now. You've repented. Let's start rejoicing. Let's party. Let's go home and prepare a feast. Let's get a meal together. And anyone who doesn't have anything, let's give them some food. And let's bring everybody together and let's rejoice. Let's shout. Let's have a good time in the Lord. Amen. In the joy of the Lord is your strength. Somebody praise him in the house. Wow. Wow. Praise God. Go on to the next verse. Oh, no, no, no. So, so on the second day of the month, they all they gathered the scholars. They, they found written in the Revelation. But by, while they're reading through Deuteronomy, they found something. They found that there was a feast called the Feast of Booths, the festival. It's tabernacles. We just celebrated that. They discovered God had moved and it was time on the calendar for tabernacles. Listen, they've been in Babylon for 70 years. They discovered a feast called tabernacles. Didn't we just camp with God for seven days, 24 hours a day for seven days? And they found tabernacles and, and, and they said, we, we need to celebrate Tabernacles. In fact, it says during the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the things you're supposed to do is continuously read the Word. I don't know. For those of you that were here, we had on the screens a constant reading of the Word of God. It went through it at least twice, right? Some of you would know. <laughs> I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, we read the Word. The Word was being read in this sanctuary. Through the whole Bible, probably twice. It was part of tabernacles. We didn't know that. We were doing what God wanted us to do, didn't even know it. God blesses stupidity too. Amen. Ignorance, rather. <laughs> wow. So, so they're supposed to live in uh, verse, uh, verse next, 16, 17. So the people went out. They brought in branches. They made booths on their roofs, courtyards, courtyards of the temple. The water. I mean, they're, they're putting up huts everywhere. The entire congregation that had come back from exile made booths and lived in them. They left their houses and lived in booths. That's what we're going to do next year. Get your sticks ready. And they lived in them. The people of Can you imagine people driving by and there's like 200 shacks on the property? The people of Israel hadn't done this from the time of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that very day, the terrific day, great joy, because they found the word. They found the word. And they were living the word. If the musicians would come, I, uh, during tabernacles, the Lord 
began to deal with me to do something. And I thought, this is really weird. <laughs> and then, and then I, and then remember I told you about what was on the whiteboard, that it was all, people weren't putting, te- putting prayer requests on there. They were putting scripture and proclamations on there. It was the word. Say it was the word. There, people were just sharing the word. Wow, that's never happened before. But that's what tabernacles is for. We didn't know it. And the Lord said, go to Nehemiah chapter 8. And I went to that chapter. I began to read. And then I began to understand what the Lord was wanting us to do. We haven't put it on the calendar yet, but it'll be in the next couple weeks somewhere. And the Lord said, you need to do a six-hour stretch from like 6 p.m. till midnight. Remember all those names that I didn't read? There was like, I think there was like 13 of them or 14 or something like that. But we're going to have 12 speakers, and each one of them is going to preach for 10 minutes. 10 minutes, and then we're going to have 20 minutes of worship and prayer. Another speaker for 10 minutes. 20 minutes of worship and prayer. Another speaker for 10 minutes. If they go over, I'm going to pull their coattails. And then we're going to have worship for 20. Come on, church. I believe God has given people messages. God will speak to 12 speakers. I'm not not sure who they all are yet, but everyone's from this church. You're going to be amazed how God can raise up some people. We've got some great pulpiteers in this church. They're not called to preach, not called to pastor, but but they've been given a word. Come on. I'm glad you're playing that song, but it's messing me up. And you can come and go as you please. You don't have to stay this whole six hours. But there, there, I, hope, I hope a lot of you will come because this is what God's wanting us to do. And I believe out of that, something's going to break out that's going to be amazing. God will give those 12 people, men and women, by the way, God's going to give them a word for the church. Huh. I, and I'm not going to be one of the 12. God's going to give them a word, and then we're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God for six hours, just like they did in Nehemiah's time. We may have to do some repenting, some weeping and crying, but before it's over, we're going to be lit the power something's going to break out let me let me go back to this washing of the saints feet because here's something I haven't shared yet with you that's pretty amazing Jesus washed all their feet y'all aren't getting it you know what that means Y'all know what that means? Ron, you want to be Judas? (laughs) Can you imagine Jesus knowing that somebody betrayed him? Already did it. They were coming for him. He didn't say, now Judas... I know what you did. I ain't washing your feet. 
What was it like for Jesus 